0: Welcome to That Rooted Feeling Podcast, where I bring you high-value health information and practical tips to help you improve your lifestyle habits with a focus on plant-centered nutrition so you can achieve optimal wellness that radiates into and improves all aspects of your life, giving you that rooted feeling that you won't know until you have it. Welcome back to another week and another episode of That Rooted Feeling. I'm your host, Dr. Brooke Stubbs, a board-certified physician in both internal and lifestyle medicine with a master's degree in nutrition. And as always on this podcast, I'm here to give you high-value health information to help promote your overall well-being, improve your energy, and help you live a longer, chronic, disease-free life. And today on the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about sauna therapy. It's something that is a very close topic to my heart. Before I started my medical practice, while I was still working as a hospitalist full-time, I also opened a franchise of an infrared sauna studio in Austin, Texas. I don't own it anymore. I've since sold it and the new owners have rebranded, but if you go to Nashville, go visit my friend Kayla over at CYL Sauna Studio. That is the franchise that I opened. It's a great, great business. It's a great product. And you're going to hear a little bit more about why I'm so passionate about it and why I got into it, not only because of just how it felt, but then dove into the research about infrared saunas. And I was just blown away by the amount Of information that was out there for how beneficial saunas are for your health. And so today, I'm going to talk to you mainly about one study that focuses on Finnish saunas, not particularly infrared. And then I'm going to touch on the difference between a regular Finnish sauna and infrared sauna. So let's talk about the association of a sauna, a Finnish sauna. When I say Finnish, it's F-I-N-N-I-S-H, like Finland. And we call a standard sauna, a heat sauna, where you put coals on a fire and sit in a heated room, a Finnish sauna, because in Finland, they use this modality quite a bit. So in 2015, the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, published a article that described the association between sauna bathing and fatal cardiovascular events and all-cause mortality events. So what they did was they took 2,300 middle-aged men from Eastern Finland. And again, this is a part of their regular routine saunas. And they followed them prospectively for over 20 years. And then they validated any cause of death. So when these people passed away... And they were in the age range between 42 and 60 when the study started. So in 20 years, they followed their mortality. And any time they passed, they verified the cause of death with hospital records. And prior to their death, at the, the point where they entered them into the study, they used a self-assessment survey to gather information about their lifestyle, how much sauna they used. So over 20 years, the average of these things could change, but what they found was pretty astounding. So their kind of control group was the men who used sauna one time per week. And so that was gonna be the comparative group, the the group that they compared more sauna therapy to. So group one was just one time per week. Group two was sauna two to three times per week, and then group three was sauna four to seven times per week. And for sudden cardiac death, group one had 10.1% risk, group two had 7.8% risk, and group three had 5% risk. So the more sauna you got from one per week to up to seven times per week, right, in those three groups, the third group had less. So it went from... 10% to 7.8 to 5% risk of cardiac death. And then when you looked at cardiovascular disease death events, it was 22.3 in group 1, 16.4 in group 2, and 12% in group 3. And again when you looked at coronary heart disease events, it went from 14.9 to 11.5 to 8.5. And the last group that the last cause of death was all cause. So when they looked at those groups, it went from 49.1% to 37.8% to 30.8%. So in each of the causes of death they looked at, the odds ratio for death went down with more sauna therapy per week. And then they looked at another attribute of sauna therapy particularly the time. So less than 11 minutes per session was their control group. And anything between 11 and 19 minutes showed a hazard ratio of 0.93 for sudden cardiac death. And then the hazard ratio went all the way down to 0.48 if you did more than 19 minutes of sauna therapy. So what that means, when you look at a hazard ratio, hazard ratio is the risk associated with a current variable, right? So if it's below one, your risk goes down. So for these, it's 0.93. It went down with 11 to 19 minutes per session. It went down even further if you did more at 19 or more minutes to 0.48. Now, had those numbers been over one, like 1.6 or 2.5, those are increased hazard ratios. That means your odds of getting it are higher with that variable. So when I look at this study and I look at the tables in particularly that showed all these relative risks, some of them are not great numbers in terms of confidence interval or the power, the p-value, but a lot of them are. And when they're multivariable adjusted, they get even better. So they are significant in that Four to seven times per week really shows a significant benefit. There was one hazard ratio that the confidence interval spanned one. So, when you're looking at a study for statistical significance and you look at a confidence interval, you want to make sure the confidence interval does not include the value of one. So, of the 16 hazard ratios that were reported for these three groups of number per week sauna bathing sessions. There was only one hazard ratio for the sudden cardiac death group at the two to three times per week that really didn't show clinical significance. And then when you looked at the variable of time per session, there were a lot more values that included a non-significant confidence interval where they're expanded one. And so when we see that confidence interval spanning one, we can't be as confident for what those values are showing us in terms of the prediction based on the population that was studied. But I will say none of those were significant when you looked at over 19 minutes. So most of those non-statistically significant values for the length of session were in that 11 to 19 minute range, that mid-range. Although the hazard ratios were going down, it's hard to say whether that was statistically significant. But when you got to the over 19 minutes, the hazard ratio dropped even further and they were more statistically significant. So It looks like from this study, about four to seven times per week of at least 19, probably 20 minutes of sauna bathing improves your mortality rate or lowers your risk of mortality from coronary artery, sudden cardiac death and all cause mortality. So I guess we could infer from these that it will help you live longer. And presumably, it helps your overall health span, which would be important because you don't want to just live longer if you're not improving your health. We know that sauna therapy improves your blood pressure. It improves symptoms of heart failure. It increases your heart rate, causes vasodilation. It increases that nitric oxide that improves the elasticity or the dilation of your blood vessels. It increases your sleep It promotes sleep by lowering your core body temperature, which sounds counterintuitive, but as you open up those capillaries when you're sweating, then you transition to a cooler environment. It allows quick recooling of the core body temperature. The sweating increases endorphin release, so it improves your mood. It reduces pain and inflammation from the heat. It shortens the duration of muscle pain. It increases your recovery. It improves wound healing and joint effusions. So this is something you can add on to your routine. I recommend adding it towards the second part of your day. I don't recommend it during the first part of your day. Rather, I would recommend you having a cold plunge or a cold shower closer to the earlier part of your day. That gives you more energy and motivation and focus. If you do decide to combine the therapies, do the sauna first and then do the cold therapy and allow your body to rewarm naturally. But if you can space them out, I do recommend doing the sauna therapy, the heated therapy towards the end of the day because like I said, when you heat up your body, when you open those capillaries, they will then allow that blood to cool and send cool blood back to the core. So you lower your core body temperature immediately following a sauna therapy. So now let's talk briefly about whether you should do infrared or whether you should do a regular finish sauna. So when we talk about traditional finish sauna We talk about how the ambient rise of temperature causes heating from the outside. So those capillaries will open up when it experiences the heat. Those capillaries will induce sweating, right? Sweating and putting water on the surface of the body is to help promote cooling. And overall, your body temperature will rise, but then it will promote cooling later, Your heart rate goes up in response to these open capillaries and the vasodilation of your blood vessels. And this mimics exercise, right? We talked about the increase of nitric oxide and the elasticity of your blood vessels. And that's really good. It's beneficial for setting cardiac disease risk, like we talked about. It's beneficial for heart failure parameters and symptoms. Now, infrared does do similar actions, right? The effect is very similar. However, it uses a specific wavelength of light. It's not visible light. It's between 760 nanometers to 1400 if you're using near-infrared, and then 3,000 to 100,000 nanometers in the far-infrared wavelengths. These wavelengths increase the vibration of intracellular water molecules within your body, and it actually penetrates into the hypodermis about 5 millimeters This causes that vibration, causes an increase in thermogenic energy, which causes sweating. And the sweat is a little different. There may be other mechanisms involved. There's some indication that it may increase the production of ATP, some reactive oxygen species. But at any rate, when you sweat with an infrared sauna, you put out more oils And with that, you release more toxic substances. So I've seen it quoted that the sweat with infrared sauna is going to be 20% toxin as opposed to 3% with a traditional sauna. If you've ever been in an infrared sauna, you'll notice that the sweat that you sweat actually is a little different. You also don't smell as bad, and the reason for that is probably antimicrobial. We know that far-infrared sauna is actually effective for bacterial reduction against Staphylococcus and E. coli, even Klebsiella to some degree. There's also a lot of studies around neuronal stimulation with infrared sauna that may be great for improving nerve regeneration after a trauma or after an injury, after traumatic brain injury. It might be even neuroprotective for dementia patients who may suffer from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or have an increased risk of these things. However, there is some discussion about a biphasic uh, effect of reactive oxygen species because there is some indication that With high doses of infrared sauna therapy, you can get increased reactive oxygen species and you can damage the cellular organelles, which could result in photoaging and possibly some skin cancers. So that's something to be aware of. Now, that's probably more in the near-infrared sauna range, those those 762... 1400 nanometers that I mentioned before. There are infrared saunas that only emit far infrared wavelengths. And we see that far infrared therapy is very beneficial for muscle recovery, for athletes, for, you know, for bone and wound healing. I think you have to be careful with anything that isn't. Fully understood as always. If you are going to partake in sauna, whether it be traditional sauna or infrared sauna, please talk to your medical provider. It's not without its risks. Talk to whoever is providing the sauna therapy. If you have new scars, infrared sauna therapy can make those scars worse, not not necessarily better. They can overheat them. I know that that has been an experience of some customers for infrared sauna therapy. But overall, this is something that is beneficial to your health. So 20 minutes, four times a week sounds like a good starting point. And if you're put off by infrared sauna because you're not sure about all of the decisions or all of the information that goes into that, then try just the traditional sauna. But at any rate, it should improve cardiovascular health. It mimics exercise, improves sleep, improves mood, and it's something that I have always been a huge fan of. I hope that this information was valuable for you. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, and share this with a friend. And I hope to see you again here next week.